0: To the modern maker podcast the weekend edition and i'm joined by a special guest jason andrade from west coast sustainables uh, jason is out here helping me install the solar panels on the solar powered workshop that we're building for home depot uh, so this is another one of those cases of people sort of connecting over different ideas around making and building stuff Using the internet to share ideas and uh, reached out to me and uh, heard that I was doing that and offered his assistance and has been teaching me and Mike from Modern Builds all about solar, uh, all about off the grid applications. And I thought that was like a very, well, would be a very interesting topic to a lot of you makers. So uh, Jason was kind enough to join us. Welcome, Jason. Thanks a lot. It's been fun. So where are you normally based out of?
1: Uh, I'm based out of Redding, California, which is kind of the northern area.
0: It's a lot of hippies. and
1: uh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of everybody, actually. It's a, it's a pretty neat area. There's a lot of hunting, mm-hmm. a lot of fishing. Uh, there's a lot of off-grid where we live. Uh, it's, it's a pretty rural area. So there's really a lot of different things to pick from. But I, I travel probably uh, about half of California. do a lot of stuff in the Bay Area because there's mm-hmm. just a lot of neat projects to pick from.
0: So what is like a typical project that you're doing these days? Is it mostly residential, a mix of both? Or? Uh,
1: I mainly do residential, uh, mostly grid-tied stuff, but I'll selectively pick uh, off-grid systems or battery backup for, for certain stuff.
0: Alright, so that, you know, my background is in sustainable architecture, and I think that's like one of the questions that people are, often have is, like, what is the advantages of off-grid versus uh, grid-tied, and how do you sort of look at that?
1: Oh, I don't know if there's necessarily advantage. I would say that a lot of it is just uh, property-based. Sometimes people are typically getting property cheaper uh, because it's off the you know it's off the beaten path, or people just want to go more remote. So that's really the only power choice that they have. Right. Um, there's, there's also situations where uh, they just they don't want to rely on the grid. They want to go rely on themselves. So off-grid is really. Uh, either person you know personality driven or it's just driven by situation
0: that's really good because you, you i and that's exactly why i wanted to want be is because you identified three different kind of scenarios to it all impact that decision and it's mm-hmm. not so much like hey everyone should be off the grid because mm-hmm. that creates a lot of redundant infrastructure for mm-hmm. for storage and things like that but so for example like correct me if i'm wrong so for example if you're going off the grid a great reason to do that might be because you got a really great deal on land it's far away from utilities Mm -hmm. and like normal developers like no that's too much money to stretch the power lines and stuff over there so an off-grid situation you might put more money into the batteries and solar to provide electricity in a remote location but you're doing it and getting potentially land for cheaper or something like that With uh, grid-tied, you, from what I understand, you don't spend as much money on the energy storage infrastructure, which can be expensive, like batteries and things like that?
1: Yes, I mean, exactly. I mean, really, when you look at off-grid, it's way more expensive, uh, Mm -hmm. predominantly, because we're usually building off-grid stuff uh, based on what people's budgets are. Very very rarely do we have carte blanche just to go build the ultimate off-grid system. So typically, we're building within a budget. And what's hard is you're really trying to forecast how much power a family is going to need over a duration of time. And you have to pay for all that mostly upfront or right. you're gonna spend a lot of money in generator subsidization, mm-hmm. uh, running your generator in the nighttime or you know, to compensate for your extra loads. Where we as a society are used to coming home, turning on all the lights, doing your dishes, washing your clothes. When you're off grid, that's a different scenario. You know, you're you're living more around the sun, more so than just uh, kind of your lifestyle. So it's a big lifestyle change. And you have
0: to kind of design the infrastructure to withstand the worst case scenario, which means that a lot of times you're not in the worst case scenario, which means you've spent a lot of money on infrastructure that you're not using.
1: Yeah, it is. And I I live off the grid 100% also and i mean it would be great probably for the the average family that didn't like to weld or you know have a wood shop or make a ton of stuff so just by having those um hobbies of the extra curricular i have quite a substantial power system which added extra cost to it Mm -hmm.
0: what are like uh what do you think there are some of the common myths that you encounter about solar and things like that
1: I, i i think the thing i hear most is people just say i want to cut the utility grid and you know cut the cord and go off the grid not realizing that the lifestyle change really that it impacts people right um you really when you cut the cord to go off the grid you're assuming that reliability for yourself and making the power um and it's just not always as easy to do as it sounds because you are the reliable person for that right so i think that's really the biggest thing there's just so much so much Involved when you go off the grid.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that people often forget is that it involves two new functionalities. Energy production is one and that's what they tend to think of, but energy storage and management is another one that's Mm -hmm. also equally important that people tend, I think, it often gets like a little bit less press. Mm -hmm. People always like to like, say, solar powered house. Mm -hmm. The solar is generating, (laughs) is the point of generation, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot more to it than sort of that. What would be like you know, we're working on this solar powered workshop. Can you walk us through and just tell us like, what are like the basic components of, in this case, this is an off the grid Mm -hmm. uh, solar workshop. What are the basic components of a off the grid application and like, what does each one of them do?
1: So basically uh, the power, the power production is made by the solar panels. Um, From there, it goes down to the charge controllers, which regulate the solar to not overcharge the batteries. The batteries are your storage mechanism that, that hold all of your power until you're ready for it. Um, and then we get to the inverter, which takes your battery-based power and converts it over to your house power. Those are predominantly your, your kind of power flow. And then you have a backup generator for the days that there is no sun. Right. Um, you know, the, the real cat's meow is for people that have the ability to put in a wind turbine or put a hydro turbine to subsidize that extra power when the solar is not there. You know, when we talk about stationary
0: bikes, something like that. Yeah, they're, they're coming out with us. That'd be
1: great. You know, I'd lose weight and make power at the same time. You know, when we look at the cost breakdown of going off the grid, mm. um, actually the solar panels aren't necessarily the biggest cost of it. It's typically the batteries. Um, and especially with the newer batteries that are coming out with the lithiums and uh, different chemistries, the batteries can actually be more expensive than what the solar panels are. Because solar panels are at an all-time low. You know they're not as expensive as they used to be and now we're looking at the cost of the racking being almost equivalent on some of these uh yeah. these expensive yeah. projects like to do a pole mount racking that's adjustable for off-grid for seasonal you can i'm spending just as much on a, a quality rack as i am on the solar panels yeah so it's really you know the the most expensive part right now is uh is batteries
0: interesting so. i mean i saw that with with this project i mean it was about equal what we spent on. We got a solar kit, uh, which was uh, four hundred watt panels, mm-hmm. um, and we actually got these kits from Home Depot. A lot of people don't know that Home Depot actually provides solar kits. You can order them online. I think it was about like in the sort of eleven hundred to fifteen hundred dollar range. You get four solar panels, the charge controller, and, and, the, and the inverter, mm-hmm. and a little bit of the wiring for it. Uh, you don't get the batteries and and uh, a fuse box, which mm-hmm. which we had to supplement in. Um, but I was impressed with how relatively inexpensive and how available they were. Uh, what is like, you know, if, if somebody wants to, let's say, do the most common application and let's say they want to just add a little bit of solar to their home, mm-hmm. uh, still stay grid tied. What's, like, the process for that? Like, who do they call? Do they call an electrician first? Do they call a solar installer? Do they buy the panels first? Like, what would you be, like, how would you advise somebody, a consumer, to go about taking those steps? There's really a couple different ways. I mean, typically the the turnkey method, of course, is just
1: to call a solar company that specializes in solar. Mm-hmm. And, and really it's because they, they know the equipment that they're going to be installing. And it's also dealing with the building departments and the utility company because installing the solar is just one aspect of what these people are actually doing or the companies um integrate uh, integrating it into the utility and and going by the rules that they have and doing what they call an interconnection or the net energy metering agreement Mm -hmm. um the paperwork portion of it sometimes is just as challenging
0: right because you're feeding back into the grid correct and isn't it like kind of a problem if like because if something goes down, they need to shut off the grid, but the solar panels might still be feeding back into it or something? So all
1: of the systems now have what's called anti-islanding. If the grid shuts down, they they all immediately shut down. Mm. So that is uh, all super safe now. It has been for a long time. I think it's called a UL 1741. Um, that, that's that been in place for quite a while. Um, the, the hardest part is now that, like, for instance, for California, where we're at, Uh, PG&E has met its cap of what they had to do for alternative energy Mm. so now they're changing things where they're making everybody go time of use Mm. Um, we're starting to see now also in certain utility areas where the transformers are they're full so not everybody can put solar on now because the the capacity is limited to how much they can actually put on so you really got to investigate to make sure that, that you're in the right areas so
0: yeah, we, I, I found that as well, like uh, when I was doing architecture in Massachusetts, it would, you would hear, you know, a news report about how, oh, we have all these great statewide solar subsidies, right? And you'd be like, oh, you get this rebate if you buy the solar panels, which pays for like, you know, this percentage of what they cost. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. I'm getting discounted solar panels. I'm going to go out and get them. But then you'll find out when you go to apply for the rebate that they already met their quota for the amount of money that they dished out for mm-hmm. that year. And so there's none left. So even though that rebate is on the books, there wasn't any money behind it mm-hmm. you know, uh, for the people that came later.
1: Utility companies really have kind of become progressive in that. And now a lot of them are doing voucher systems mm. to where before you go and get a system – um, you'll get a go to your utility company, like, uh, where I live, we have the city of Reading RU mm-hmm. and they've actually done about, vo- they've released a rebate, which is, there isn't a lot of amount out anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can go and get a voucher and then go talk to your solar companies, get estimates and then take that back. And they've made it a really streamlined process to do that. Mm-hmm. So they've done better. It's really just trying to make sure that your transformer in your local area can handle the, the back backfeed of solar.
0: What what about those companies that lease s- solar to people? I've I've seen a lot them get a lot of press about how oh they, you just you know you don't have to buy it you don't have to put any money down, mm-hmm. it's almost like a rent to own or you they, you rent them the space in your thing. They sound cool. interesting. What are your sort of thoughts on those?
1: I'm I'm kind of anti lease. <laughs> yeah, but okay. I'm, I'm I'm somebody that's out helping people. I'd rather somebody buy a smaller system and help them put it in and them do some of the sweat equity of putting the system in to – to not have to do a lease, where where leases are hurting people is if you plan on selling your home. Um, selling your home with a lease is actually going to affect the sale of your home because, like, realtors, if they know that there's a lease on it, they're actually going to pass up on trying to sell your home. I think because of the paperwork that they're having to go through to try to transfer that lease. So it's it's made complications in that area. But like anything, if you can't if you can't afford it. And they're giving you like a guaranteed rate on your electricity. It sounds like a good deal. I think you just got to look at the at the fine print and see if it's an escalator loan. If in 15 years you're going to be paying more mm. or what the guarantee is or the buyout. I personally don't do lease systems because I'm more proactive in trying to get people to buy the equipment and uh, save a lot, a lot of the money up front.
0: Well, that, that leads to a question. is like what is like the cheapest and like describe like a scenario that would be like very entry level and like what. What would like it cost, sort of ballpark? And, and these are just estimates. You know, mm-hmm. no one's holding to these. But like, what what is like for the the solar? For you know, we're working on a ten by twelve workshop. Mm-hmm. It's going to have pretty minimal loads. We're mostly going to use it to power eighteen volt and forty volt battery powered tools, and maybe power like a drill press or a small contractor table saw. I think all in for the solar and batteries, not including the installation that you were mm-hmm. so grateful to provide. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think it's about like 2,500 to three, about, right around $3,000. So when you look at that, we're right around $3 a watt. Now
1: with solar, typically the more you do, the cheaper it gets. Mm. But if you were gonna go buy the mm. material, uh, this will be a gracious plug. I buy everything from wholesale solar. Right. Um, and when you look them up on the internet, they're probably number one for DIY kits. And they've made it very easy for people to go on, uh, put in what their utility you know, usages are, and find a kit that's very user friendly to DIY install. The, the equipment that we have now with micro inverters that are all AC powered are very safe to install. Mm-hmm. So you can, uh, somebody that does a little bit of reading or has a friend that's uh, a roofer or a friend that's an electrician can put the rack in and mount the panels and have a, a qualified electrician come behind and do the, in, the interconnection into the utility company. Um, and they really can save a lot of money by putting these systems in. And there's so many pictures and so many videos and so much documentation. It's one of those things that putting a little bit of time and learning how to do it, somebody could really save a lot of money. It's just feeling comfortable with drilling a hole in your roof like we did today, you know, finding your trusses. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Right. The solar part, you know, you can understand how to do that. But really, if you're putting it on the roof, it's making sure you're not going to have a leak. Yep. Uh, if you're doing a ground mount system, making sure that you check with the utility to make where the utility lines are. You know, there's certain things that you just got to kind
0: of foresee. It was interesting today when we were working at it and the conversation sort of came up that a solar installer is part electrician, but has to have a specific knowledge of different construction mm-hmm. uh, industries as well. Like you have to know everything that an electrician knows in terms of installing things, mm-hmm. running conduit. Uh, you have to create the paths for those conduit within the building. And you also have to understand roofing to a really high degree to figure out, I mean, watching how you are going about Okay, these are composite shingles. We need this kind of flashing. We gotta lift them up here, cut them away here, put slide this back under. Use this kind of caulking to seal it. Yeah, that's. I think that's the thing that you know. As a as a, as a former architect, I'm so acutely aware of how easy it is to screw up a roof, mm-hmm. and how catastrophic it is. Is that anytime you add solar or something like that, and you're adding penetrations through the roof, it's it's a little bit dicey. It is. Um, and so, you know, electrical stuff aside, it's just like, you know, minimizing those penetrations and sort of, you know, figuring out how to sort of do that in a safe way with the right flashing is, is pretty critical. Um, what do you think of, <laughs> and I have some strong opinions about this subject. So a lot of people have been asking me whenever the subject of renewable energy comes up about those, oh, I heard Tesla's making solar panels that are awesome. And they look just like roof shingles. Mm-hmm. Can you tell people that those are not new; those have been around for a while.
1: Oh, there's there is really neat stuff out there. Uh, there's a company Luma Roof right now that mm-hmm. makes a, a solar a solar roof shingle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great product; it blends in. I mean, there is companies that have been doing it for quite a long time, and and there is other alternatives like the Powerwall. There is great products out there that rival that; that are actually more powerful than the Powerwall. Right. Um, what they've really capitalized on is sexy. I right. mean, everything they've done; their cars are nice. You know, they're. Their, uh, their power wall is going to be a great unit, I'm sure, once they get it up. Um, it's very energy-dense, so you have a lot of power within a small space. Right. Um, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the solar roofs really hold up because we have more connections. Yeah. We have more places for failure. Um, you know, it's, it's just it's going to be a really interesting— I mean, what we've seen them really do is we've seen them evolve as a whole solar city and Tesla. Mm-hmm. From door to door salesmen of solar leases right. to hitting this upper end market. Right. And we've seen, it, that's kind of a paradigm shift, I think, into where they're heading, trying to get more money. They're kind of doing the
0: Apple thing. They're kind of becoming a luxury brand yep. that's packaging up renewable technology. Isn't it also true that, with like when you're doing the building, like from what I understand, photovoltaics, which is the sort of primary technology behind solar panels, they, there's sort of a diminishing efficiency of, of electrical output as they get hotter. Well, there's, there's two different things. We have, we have
1: deration, that the hotter they get, the less power they make, mm-hmm. which is true with all electrical. Um, basically it's like a glass of water if it's hot right. and you can't see through it. Your molecules are bouncing and it's slowing it down. It's, it's, that's the deration effect of mm-hmm. solar panels or electricity.
0: So isn't that one of the problems with like the building integrated, like the ones that look like shingles, is that they're, they're flatter on the roof so there's less opportunity for for heat to and vent dispersion. out?
1: Dispersion, yes. I mean, they're getting hotter. Um, but I think what it really is coming down to is uh, people for some reason don't like to see solar. It's an aesthetic thing that uh, you know, unless it's done properly. I mean, I've had to put systems 300 feet over the side of a hill so that somebody didn't have to see them. So it's an aesthetic-based thing. I, think I, it's I you know
0: what's it. funny is I've, I've thought a lot about this. I don't think it's so much that they don't like the way these panels look. I think they don't like the way they're added onto something, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like the, it's the addition, right? It's the it's the thinking of something being sort of added on and not like streamlined or originally intended into it. Mm Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's that addition. It's funny to me. (laughs) I've talked to clients before and had them say, uh, they were showing me a picture of the house and they're like, Oh, I just don't want to add anything that looks like a modern technology on my old, more traditional house. Right in the front is like this, you know, satellite dish (laughs) attached to, attached to it. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's an you know it, you know I, I I'm appreciative. I think Tesla is doing like awesome stuff. So this is no shade on Tesla. I think they're see what I did there. Shade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, I think they're an amazing company doing really cool things and they're getting people interested in new technologies. So mm-hmm. shout out to them. But they have so they're much behind
1: them backing them. I mean, right. When you look at the buildup of Solar City, I mean, so much of their stuff was granted by the Department of Energy. Yeah. I mean, there was so much that they had that you know a business should succeed with with that kind of backing
0: yeah but yeah so it's like i think it's you know i think there's a lot of good things but i think what you're sort of suggesting is don't just go by brand like there's a lot of great alternatives out there and probably a lot more value per dollar with other options
1: you know the thing is right now unfortunately with this industry we're we're really down to the last U.S. solar manufacturer there is with SolarWorld. Mm-hmm. and when we see this, I mean, when you look at the most of the panels coming in from China. The one thing that Solar City has really going is that they're a strong company um, who looks like they're going to be around. So warranty based, mm. um, if they start manufacturing their own panel, I think that's a great thing because we need to see more companies in the U.S. producing mm. and and going strong mm-hmm. because it's like one versus five hundred to a thousand. I mean, if, if Solar City, if solar world fails at this point in time, that's gonna be kind All of right. a bummer that that happened. All
0: right, so let's get back to some more like DIY questions yeah. and stuff like that. So like, let's say I wanna to go to Burning Man uh, again, and uh, I wanna say, okay, I need just enough, you know, I need something to power, uh, you know, like uh, recharge my phone, my camera, mm-hmm. a fan, and maybe like, a, you know, a small mini fridge to keep food preserved. Mm-hmm. Could I use like one of those like Yeti little power systems, would that kind of be enough for that? And like how many solar panels would I need to sort of plug into it or what would be like a good place? I mean, you mentioned it was a wholesale solar. Wholesale solar
1: sells more DIY kits. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Yeti we looked at last night was great. I'm also uh, working with Humless and they make a system like that where it's a a lithium iron uh, phosphate battery with an inverter, Uh, you could just plug the solar panels into it. More and more companies are making more portable power systems where everything is encompassed in a case and all you're
0: really doing is just so putting that's like, solar panels So that's in. like something the size of like an ice chest yes. or something that basically has your batteries, your charge controllers, your inverters, mm-hmm. everything in there. It's almost just like a generator that you can plug solar panels in instead of gasoline. Exactly. And what is something, how do you, what's the name of that brand again? Humless. How do you spell that? H-U-M-M-L-E-S-S.
1: Okay. there like H-U-M-L-E-S-S, something like that.
0: So, and you just Google them. Oh you'll yeah. Find it. yeah. And so that's like, what do those run about? Uh, you can go
1: anywhere from three to 10000 on those because they have a variety of them. They have portable systems where you can put them in the back of your car and take them camping for the weekend. Mm-hmm. But then they have off-grid systems for backup for your home where you can get 12 kilowatt hours of storage. So they're
0: basically like a generator kind of. A storage, yeah, yeah a storage generator. Interesting. And so something like that would, would be more than enough for what I sort of described. Oh, right. yeah and then from there you could just like how many panels would you need just like- it really depends on how many lights you want to run <laughs> you
1: know everything with solar is really based on what it is that you're trying to power mm-hmm. um if you're just trying to power lights in your fridge in an emergency situation uh you might be able to get by off six kilowatt hours for a couple of days it's really every there's a lot of variables built into your what you, what it is that you're trying to power but mm-hmm. for instance i live off the grid and i consume about 10 kilowatt hours a day And I do a lot of other, you know, fabricating and building on top of that. So, you know, when you start adding swimming pools and hot tubs, those things are kind of unrealistic to to power off the average off-grid home, Unless you really start going into solar-specific items, which is really neat in this industry. I mean, we have solar solar well pumps, solar pond pumps, solar air conditioners, uh, solar pool pumps. I mean, there really is so many things now that if you want to just take a specific thing, like let's say your swimming pool is your biggest usage, you can buy three solar panels and a solar pool pump and get your pool pump completely off your utility bill. Mm. So there's a lot of ways that people can kind of Right, so you can almost sort of like
0: nickel and dime it and sort of eliminate energy expenses, so to speak. Yes, and the neat thing about some of these items is if you want to put in a solar pool pump, you don't have
1: to do a utility interconnection with that. Right. Because it's not really backfeeding the grid. So sometimes the simplicity of just powering those few items is easier because you're not having to deal with the local jurisdiction or or change your utility program so that it benefits them. You know, mm. there's, there is a benefit sometimes to doing that.
0: Hmm. Very cool. And so you're also a bit of a maker. Yes. Uh, what, uh, what are some of your projects that you're working on right now or some ones that you got in the sort of pipeline that you're pretty excited about?
1: Uh, right now it's just wrapping up our house. We did our, our stair rehab where we did it all with metal treads. Uh, we're doing some LED lights. Uh, we're, we're really kind of uh, lucky that some of our customers are waiting for me to finish our house so we can go do <laughs> their projects and get them done. Uh, and then we'll jump back to finishing our, our maker station and we're really excited to some of the collaborations we have coming up with other makers to come to kind of our off-grid place and really play with some of the stuff we have and kind of experience that, hey, you can run your table saw and your dust collector off-grid.
0: Right. That, so that's that's one thing. Is there like when, like, you know, are are there any limitations? Like, can you run a welder, like from a battery, from oh, like yeah. a solar?
1: Yeah, with the, with the application of enough money. Yes, I mean, that's really when we come down off grid, it's, it's really comes down to dollars. I mean, uh, before my last edition, I would run my generator if I wanted to run my welder mm-hmm. or, or bigger loads, but you know, as I've saved up and got good deals, I mean, I now have a, a powerful enough system in our shop that I weld plasma cut. I mean, like, there's no real limitations to, to what we can do now.
0: And so, you recommend this wholesale solar place, is it, is it they got good? good prices and good they have deals.
1: they have decent prices but what they have is they have great support gotcha. And these are people that specialize in DIY um, uh, grid tie systems with battery backup and off-grid and they've done enough of them and they can build pre-built systems for people that want to do a lot of this stuff themselves
0: so if my co-host Mike if he ends up getting that uh, that bust that he was teasing on Instagram uh-huh. and needs like a power system to recharge you know and uh and run things like that would be like a good source for that.
1: Yeah, you would just call up one of the people at wholesale kind of yeah. give them an overview of your project and they would help you pick out a kind of a pre-designed system or a customized mm. system where they could sell you all the pieces with a diagram and uh, they, they would offer a fair amount of support to kind of help you put that system in.
0: Mm. Have you ever done any, like, solar, thermal, like, hot water systems? Or what are your sort of thoughts on those? Like the um, evacuated tubes or, like, the no, flat plate collectors? No, I I
1: think they're great. Um, I like a lot of that stuff. But what we've kind of run into right now... Uh, is that this the cost of solar panels is so cheap right it's typically cheaper now to do an electric heat pump water heater right you know we're starting to see also now water heaters that are that are heat pumps like air conditioners right that are more efficient uh, if you put them in your garage and you live in a hot climate like I do it's going to cool your garage off and make hot water at the same time mm-hmm. so we have all these neat byproducts that are coming out of it and it's just cheaper to add some more solar panels than to put you know run water up your ceiling it's easier to run electrical wires than it is sometimes right. the plumb water and liability wise is a different issue
0: yeah no it's fine i built my first solar powered house when i was in college so this was in like 2005 and at the time you know we were using for to produce the hot water we we're using evacuated solar thermal tubes mm-hmm. because we had a limited amount of roof space to work with mm-hmm. it was a small house so it was, you know, the the solar to thermal conversion is pretty efficient. Yeah, especially with, like, the apricous tubes evacuated, they are very efficient. Um, But, so you can, and I think this is one of the mistakes that people often have with technology. There's such a thing as, like, individual segmented efficiency, right? So if you're just just thinking of it on paper, those solar tubes are very efficient at turning sunlight into hot water. Mm -hmm. More efficient than, you know, per square foot of sunlight than photovoltaic solar panels producing electricity and then using that electricity to heat up water. Mm-hmm. But from a system standpoint of design the whole house, you need different installers. It's adding different infrastructure. You have to figure out how both these things fit onto the roof and their different sort of modularities and stuff like that. So I think that's like one of the things that that, you know, with with designing any of these things, it's it's weighing the individual efficiencies versus the sort of holistic ones.
1: And I think a lot of it too is solar as as a whole is retrofit. You know, when we do solar, a lot of the times it's coming in after the project's already done. And if you were to come in and forecast ahead of time on a new construction, I think that including the hot water would be a great thing because you would have the ability to come in and run these water lines and, and make sure stuff was done correctly. You know, the real benefit, I think, to the solar thermal is it's not an electronic and I think the more electronics we get, the, you know, you always have more mean failure rate. Right. So you're, you're picking something that's really a high-efficiency item. I think really the best thing that somebody could do is build a net-zero, high-efficiency, super-tight, insulated home before even doing yeah, solar. That's what we always recommend It's all design. I mean, um, I, work, I have a friend where I live, uh, the Energy, Energy Docks, and if you really built a home that was extremely tight, well-insulated— where we live if if you could reduce your um your
0: cooling you would be saving so much money yep. and it's non-technology based you need it even just overhangs over the southern facing windows here so eliminating heat gain mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah to you, reduce the air conditioning load you really want to do as, as little technology as possible because those are things that are not going to fail yeah. yeah i always equate it with like sort of like a car design like if you want the car to be both like fast and fuel efficient mm-hmm. Uh, you don't necessarily start with the engine. You might start by, like, reducing the weight. <laughs> and then any additions, improvements that you make to the engine is therefore going to be magnified because the car is lighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and insulation versus, you know, reducing sort of heat or cooling loads before you're d- going with the active sort of energy production technologies normally makes makes a lot of sense. But when you look at the deep energy retrofit, which mm-hmm. I think is what
1: they kind of term it, um, that is almost as expensive as adding a... 6k grid tie system yeah you know because the the labor that it requires to go in for these guys to suck out all your insulation yep. to do infrared testing on your house where your leakages are get up in the attic and seal all that it's so extensive Yeah, that, retrofits are but see we're still seeing new homes where the the ducting for the insulation are suspended out of the or the ducting for the conditioning is suspended out of the insulation
0: right they, it, they it, remove insulation to move the yeah. cold or hot air around. So when
1: you look at it, the fact that if your ducting was actually buried in your insulation, you'd have a much more efficient system. Mm-hmm. You know we're still building to old standards, not to to new real philosophy that would be more efficient.
0: Awesome. So where can people find you if they if they want to reach out? chat with you about this and uh think you got a you know where where was the best place to to sort of reach out to you
1: really probably west coast sustainables on facebook uh we're redoing our website right now it should be up soon Mm -hmm. but uh gosh we're on instagram as west coast sustainables facebook uh my built my maker stuff is Andrade designs uh we're kind of at those main locations and just pretty much like helping people out
0: So Jason's an awesome guy, be sure to check out his stuff. And Jason, thank you so much. Thank you both for the interview and also thank you for helping me build my uh, solar powered workshop. Ah, It's been super fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well done, sir. Good.